Welcome back to The Backmarkers, the F1 podcast for new fans by new fans. My name is Mike Hurley and I am joined by my team principal. Team principal. Well, thank you very much. Look, man, I'm just over here vibing to the Mexican version of the F1 theme. Can we please keep this forever on? So good. Here's what I'll say. I obviously loved it. Loved it. I would basically, for me, I wanted to just keep it for this one time a year. So you get the hype each time, (laughs) right? Because I love the theme as it is. I think it's awesome. This is a more fun version. But this way, if this was a theme every week, you'd get bored Mm -hmm. of it, I feel like. This time, you get that little bit of flair each time. And I got to say, every other country, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Why step it up every other country on the planet? Why is it just Mexico (laughs) that's doing a banger version of the F1 theme? I would love to see the F1 theme be slightly different every week. Like That would be a really cool touch. It would give us something to talk about because, boy, do we have a lot to discuss this episode of the Backmarkers. We've got... Here's what I'll say. I feel like I have put in a problem for myself. I've said many times i do not find any race boring right yep i won't say this was boring i will say it was a snooze fest (laughs) a snooze fest (laughs) a snooze fest of unrealized potential it's not boring that's what i'll say for this my problem for this race is it wasn't boring like i don't think it was boring but none of the things that could have happened happened. Nothing happened. Yes. And and there are other races where that would have been fine, but this felt like a race where something unexpected could happen, but nothing unexpected happened at all. Yeah. I mean that was there was my issue. there was so much sort of potential here, you know. We had now I wouldn't say mixed up uh you know first four or five places, but we had a clear offset entire strategy and you know with that long sort of pit straight there's so much potential for slipstream for yep. you know someone way back to be able to just get a mega run and just blast through everyone and instead i'm pretty sure the finishing order was exactly what it was after the first corner for the first what top five yep. top six something like that like yep. also everyone this is about one NASCAR of those times instead. where like I don't know what happened in NASCAR. People in the chat are talking about NASCAR. Look for NASCAR. <laughs> uh, and this is one of those problems where the stats were, were an issue. You know, like, oh, the pole position winner never even gets on the podium. Like, it's all this, like, stats, right? And like, oh, you've got to watch out for the first straight in Mexico. No one, you know, these kinds. Of, and it was a, the, the most interesting part of the race was the opening lap. Yes. Right, because like it was all over the place. It was it was spicy and fiery, and everyone's going all over the shop. But then after that, there kind of wasn't anything. Do a do a finishing order recap. Yes, then we'll I would do some follow up, and then we can dig in a little bit. More. I would love to. So podium was Max P one, which actually is a new record for the most wins of the season. So congratulations to Max. And there's still two more races to go. So we'll see where he actually ends up. Uh, Lewis with a very strong P two, actually second weekend in a row where Lewis was right up in there with, uh, maybe not a great shot of winning, but he was up there. And then Checo for his second Mexican Grand Prix podium in a row. Going down the rest of the order, we've got George Russell coming in P4. The Ferrari boys of Carlos Sainz and Leclerc in P5 and P6, respectively. We've got Danny Rick in P7. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And then we've got ourselves Esteban Alcon P8, Norris P9, and Valtteri Bottas P10, bringing in a point for his excellent qualifying. Salba. Mm-hmm. What a segue, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to say the name of his team, right? 
It's a good. It's a good name. It's a good name. Although it, uh, I've heard that name might be changing soon. Uh, I don't know if the name's going to change actually. So Alfa Romeo Sauber. We've spoken on the podcast in the past couple of weeks about the fact that I think it's from 2023. They will just become Sauber, most likely. No Alfa Romeo anymore. Part of the reason for this is Audi was teeing something up. And this was the rumor of like Audi is going to be going into Sauber. But we didn't really know what that was going to be. Is it going to be title sponsorship of engine down the line? Are they going to fully buy out the team? Well... We know more, but not the entire picture, but I think it's pretty easy to guess what the whole picture is. So in 2026, Sauber will become Audi's works team. So Audi's going to be building engines, as we've spoken about on the podcast in the past. A works team is basically an engine supplier's main outfit, right? It's like, we're going to make an engine and other people can buy it but there's going to be one team we know that's going to use it, and it's our team. Yeah, right? yeah. So, you know, the Mercedes-Benz work team is Mercedes. Red Bull powertrains work team. Work team will be Red Bull, et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, so basically from 2026, out it will probably be Audi Sauber, mm. most likely, because it is currently unknown just how much Audi is going to buy a Sauber, but what has been said is they won a majority stake and mm-hmm. will be buying portions of Sauber over the next multiple years. Um, it kind of feels like they want to turn it into just Audi, but that yeah. might take time. And also, in a way, it's kind of interesting. The team will remain in... Switzerland. Wherever. Switzerland. But Audi's... Where are Audi? Can it be building their factory, uh, or where are they building their factory? I, I believe it's not it, in Switzerland. I believe it's in Germany, I which is where right. most of Audi's main you know facilities mm-hmm. are and whatnot. Yeah, I believe that's where they're building the power unit. So it's kind of you know it's it's interesting. I'm I'm I'm, I'm intrigued to see uh, what happens to Alfa Romeo next year. Like, do they just become Sauber for like a few years? And you've got to assume that Audi. Might be giving them some money because like, surely it's going to be complicated for them financially for the next few years because they've lost their title sponsor. Yeah, so uh, it's it's easy to forget that Alpha, I think, are kind of unique, or AKA Sauber, are kind of unique on the grid and that they're the only team who has a major sort of automotive manufacturer as a, you know, supposedly, you know, like actual team. But in reality, Alfa Romeo are paying them for the name of the team, right? Like it's a Sauber mm-hmm. team. They do use Ferrari engines, which is, you know, associated with uh, Alpha and sort of the overall, uh, you know, Stellantis uh, conglomerate. But essentially, what we've seen is Alpha is really just Alpha in name. It's really the Sauber team. Um, but that is going to clearly be changing. So you're right. There's still some opa- opacity, o- opaqueness. I like that. Opacity, I think, is yep. what you're looking for. Um, yep, thank you very much, my friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and exactly what's going to go on. But I think the end result is whether it's next year, whether it's three years, whether it's four years, whatever the case is, it seems very clear that Sauber, just like they were purchased by BMW, you know, back in the 2000s, are being purchased in chunks. And largely, I would be surprised if it's not almost a full majority by the end of 2026 uh, to become the Audi Works team. So, yeah, my bet right now is that Audi are probably not going to want to put their name on the car until they've got their power unit in the car. So my bet is that we're probably going to go from Alfa Romeo to just Sauber for a couple of years with Audi being like a sponsor or something. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. But uh, I think after that point, then they will just put 
all Audi yeah. badging, Audi, Audi, Audi across the board, um, which would be good to see. I'm excited to really see what Audi are doing because while there's still a lot of rumors about what Porsche are doing, and there's some further rumors I saw yesterday that potentially they're going to end up buying part of Williams in a very similar deal to Red Bull, which all of this is massively speculative. It's hard to know exactly what's going to actually happen. But out of you know Porsche and Audi, who both expressed a real interest in getting into Formula 1 this year, Porsche are kind of in no man's land. They haven't really sorted yep. out what they're doing, whereas uh, Audi seem like they've got the power unit facilities ready. They've got the actual team sort of locked down. And I think Sauber is a good team for Audi to, to acquire, right? I think they've got yep. a competent base. It's much easier than trying to start from scratch, which I think these days is nigh on impossible. And mm-hmm. I also think that there's some real potential in that team with the proper mm-hmm. funding, with the budget cap, and with a, a spicy Audi power unit that's, uh, I don't know, going to have some Quattro juice. Actually, it'd be funny if they ran their cars four-wheel drive. That would actually be be very on brand, although completely and totally impossible. But just imagine <laughs> the all-wheel drive car. We're, everyone just they just rock up like we're by going the way. Out of the, we're going thinking outside the box here, everyone. There's four wheels. Why don't we drive all of them? Let's go faster. Oh no, you know what they'll do? They'll go back in the old days. They'll actually bolt out. It'll be a six-wheel car. They'll just have four rear wheels. And oh, be that awesome. six-wheel car. Man. See, there we go. See, Mike, they should just hire us for their technical consultants. We have we're mm-hmm. the idea people. They can just execute it, but we can come up with. You've the got stuff team that, principal on your CV now. You're I, you're I, a hot commodity. I do. And uh, one day, hoping to drive an actual Formula One car and prove my my worth, it'll it'll all come together one day. Yeah, you won't be able to use the clutch. That was the, is the biggest issue. <laughs> I wouldn't be uh, the only one after this race. <laughs> I'm really intrigued uh, about Porsche. Yeah, it seems like at this point, Porsche's best bet is their hardest, which is trying to set up their own team. Right? Like yeah. it feels like right now, the best option they have is the hardest thing to work out. I really feel like, honestly, and I I think we spoke about this before. I think I said this before. If the main blocker to a new team is the prize money, Mm -hmm. F1 should increase the prize money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because, I mean, there are ways that this could go, right? So we have two, at this point, we have two sort of companies, teams who want to get out the grid right now. Um, Mm -hmm. So, of course, there's Porsche, which is a massive, massive company, an incredibly prestigious name. I think everyone would love to see Porsche on the grid in one form. Well, okay, sorry. Everyone who's not actively on the grid right now would love to see Porsche on the grid. Uh, The other is Andretti, right, who has made a lot of noise, have made a lot Mm -hmm. of kind of uh, fanfare that they want to join the grid in one way or another. And they've pretty much just been shut down, really. Um, So if you're Porsche, you could potentially team uh, team up with Andretti, split the costs, try to build a team from scratch. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say... Apparently they already do in another sport. I, I don't yes. know which which car sport it is, car sport. Which, like, <laughs> which, which Zoom which, Zoom which sport beep, is it, Mike? <laughs> which beep, beep, honk, honk sport it is that they drive in together. But like, I didn't know that. I was watching a video uh, on the race. I think it's the race's YouTube uh, account and they were kind of like YouTube channel and they were talking through some of this stuff. Um, and I mean, that's therefore seems like a good bet. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the other alternative, which I would kind of lean toward maybe slightly more, is them trying to purchase a major stake in a team uh, such as Haas or realistically Williams, right? Because let's not forget, Doralton Capital own Williams. This is not a race team to own itself, right? This is a investment, investment company. Firm. They yeah. they want to get their money out of Williams, which I wouldn't be surprised if they could already make a profit on it, even though it's only been what two years, three years, something like that. I don't know if they're looking to flip. I, I think I think Doralton Capital went in because they could see a future long term potential in Formula sure. One and like yeah. it's a long bet not yeah. rather than a, rather than a flip. 
And the problem is, regardless of whichever, whichever of these sort of options that they uh, Porsche end up going with, although I think it's very possible that they just don't get into Formula One at all, they don't have their works power unit, right? So that was one of the other things why the Red Bull deal was so sort of interesting to Porsche, because they could have gotten in, they could have actually operated with Red Bull powertrains, their own unique power unit. And like you said earlier, you know, there is a big difference between being just a manufacturer and being a works team, because yes, everyone who, you know, is running a Ferrari power unit gets the advantage and disadvantages of that power unit. But the difference is, is that when you are the company who are designing not only the chassis, but also the engine, you can make a lot of individual things. You Time can up. tweak and tune. You can physically make it different sizes. You can kind of do whatever you want to suit mm. your car design as an overall thing. Whereas all of the teams who are using customer engines, essentially they kind of get the power unit and they have to kind of draw their car around it. Now, is that the end of the world? No, but I think there's a real clear reason why the top teams being Red Bull, Porsche and Ferrari all are full works outfits because they have the all the advantages they possibly could. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see. But I mean, you know, the the logical thing to me would be, hey, Porsche, use your you know corporate cousins Audi's brand new power unit and work with that. And I'm sure they could, but that's not going to give them the sort of optimal results. So we'll see. I'll be very excited to see if Porsche actually announced anything. But I don't know. I feel like it's a fifty fifty shot. They either get mm-hmm. in with a, a team or something, or they just completely bail on F one entirely. Uh, the Red Bull cost cap thing has been decided. Finally! So, finally! Yeah. Oh, I'm so tired of it. Essentially, I'm so, I'm, you know, it ended up not being that much money. Yeah. Uh, it, there was The breach was $1.8 million, but there was an incorrectly applied tax credit. So it ended up, it would have been less than, it basically would have been half a million dollars. Um, I will say, I think that, uh, considering it's half a million dollars, I think the FAA have actually done a pretty good job at handing out, I think, a pretty sizable punishment to them. I agree. Um, they've given them a $7 million fine, which is not included in the cost cap. It's an amount of money that Red Bull have to pay, but it doesn't come off their cost cap. And a 10% reduction in their uh, development for, their, like, so it's their car development time. So this could be like wind tunnel time or. Mm other bits and bobs that's way too complicated for me to think about the thing about this is um that 10 percent comes off of their what they will get so they will actually drop quite a lot i think considering the way that they're going to finish because depending on how you finish as a team in the constructors championship depends on how much development time that you get and this could take their development time to less than ferrari and mercedes for next season after that 10% is taken away. So this could end up being a bit of a hit to them, but it's not going to be a hit to them for a while, uh, it would seem like. Yeah, yeah. So the thing is, uh, the sliding sort of scale on your um, wind tunnel time and your um, you know CFD time already kind of gives a much bigger advantage to the lower teams. I'm going to say this off, off the top of my head, so forgive me if I'm wrong. I want to say it's something like the you know 10th place team gets like 120% and the first place mm-hmm. team gets like 80%. It's something to that effect. So I think it's 70%. 70%, yeah. I've been seeing people talking about 70% a lot. Yeah, so... Already, you know, there's a fairly sizable advantage given to the smaller or the worst placing teams to kind of work their stuff out. But you figure Red Bull, which already has sort of that sort of drawback sort of built in, are going to have another 10% taken off. I agree. I think that it's important for the the overall cost cap here 
for there to be a penalty. I don't think they could just wipe this under the rug because then people would clearly overspend. I think they really kind of mm-hmm. put their sort of mark in the sand that, hey, this is not okay. But as we've talked about many times this year, this stuff is very complicated. The original uh, you know, proposal that Red Bull submitted was like millions of dollars under the cost cap, but based on moving around something like a tax credit or how much you spend on catering if it falls in this category or that category. It, it's the first year that we've really properly done this. It is not surprising to me at all that something, you know, when you're talking about well over $140 million or whatever that you have to work with, a few hundred thousand dollars being off, it's not that hard to do. And I'm sure that the teams mm-hmm. are going to have their uh, setups much better uh, figured out uh, going forward. But yeah, look. Uh, I stand by what I said before, though, that if we're going to end up with this every year, which we might, right, that someone's over us or whatever, then the FIA need to work out some kind of system to have this reporting done on at least a quarterly basis so yeah. they can try and understand and apply these uh, these fines more cor- like quickly or something. Because I, I feel like deciding it towards like two races bef- after that uh, two races before the end of the next season yeah. is not really a great kind of way to dish out a penalty um because as people said right i've seen a lot of people say this like who knows they're going to have a lesser development time but did they actually benefit and that is is it going to balance out we don't know the answer to that but i do feel like I'm happy that they actually gave them a real penalty that can affect the performance of the car. Yeah. Um, because if they would have just taken points away from either season, it wouldn't have really changed anything. Like, it doesn't change anything. Um, it changes things going forward. Like, yeah. you know, see, I, I think I saw Lewis say this, right? Like, if he was given back the win now, it doesn't change the fact of what happened. Yeah, and It's just yeah. a stat in a history book then. It's not beneficial anymore to anyone. Yeah. Um, same as if they take points away from this year, it's not going to affect Red Bull at all, right? Exactly. So this is an actual tangible effect for, like, you messed up. Everybody else, by and large, got this right. You messed up, so you've got to pay the price. Absolutely, right? And I think it's a strong enough penalty... Uh, considering how small the overspend truly was, I think it's a big enough penalty to really kind of make teams sort of second guess, like if they want to maybe try to be tricky or whatever. Like this was about as minor as an overspend could really be. And if you imagine a team went over by, you know, millions and millions of dollars, that the uh, circumstances would become a lot more sort of draconian when they're applying, you know, uh, may- mm-hmm. maybe proper disqualifications or whatever, right? I mean, let's not forget, mm-hmm. it was what, 13, 14 years ago that, uh, you know, after the whole Spygate scandal with McLaren, they got hit with a $100 million fine, right? A hundred million uh, pounds? Actually, was it dollars or pounds? I don't remember. But regardless, an absolutely astronomical fine, right? So, this, I think, is small potatoes and I think is completely sort of justified in the grand scheme of things. And most importantly, we can finally stop talking about it because, yeah. man, yeah, I'm I, love, to think about it anyway. I love Formula One. What I don't love is Accounting Simulator 2022. Uh, there wasn't really much happening in the race today. Um, it, as I said earlier, it was a race that felt like it had a lot of possibilities, but none of them came true. The biggest one was Mercedes, right? They had their best qualifying. They were they were looking as strong as they've looked at any point in the season, if not stronger, um, and really ended up just being a tire management, tire strategy thing between them and Red Bull. And with Red Bull's uh, superior car, they were able to keep the distance that they needed from uh, Mercedes. And, well, you know, Max could keep to Lewis and Sergio could keep to George. There wasn't any change there after that. Uh, but... So it ended up being like, I think Mercedes went bold 
on their strategy in the hopes that it would give them the edge, but it didn't give them the edge that they wanted in the end. No, no. It was one of those things where, you know, sort of the race was sort of decided after that first corner, which is, I mean, the worst case scenario. Now, there are Mm -hmm. definitely some things to consider with this particular circuit, right? So many, many, many times throughout this year, we've talked about how great the overtaking was, how much better it was last year. But the altitude in Mexico City, uh, it's something like 7,000 feet. It's, It's massive, right? It's absolutely massive. And because of that, the air is quite literally less dense. It's only like 20 or 25% less dense than the air at sea level, which has a ton of effects, right? First of all, incredibly fast. Even though all the cars are running sort of their optimal, like their biggest downforce package as possible, they're also running as the maximum cooling, you know, as possible. Uh, this is still, you know, they're doing the 220 miles an hour or something down the, the pit street. I mean, it is absolutely crazy the mm-hmm. speeds they're hitting. But the downside there is that with less air, not only do the cars have less grip, but also, generally speaking, you don't see quite as much of the overtaking. And that is certainly the case. Short of someone like Danny Rick, who uh, had a major tire advantage, and that's probably the strategy thing that maybe Mercedes could have sort of, well, should have listened to George on in hindsight. Uh, but it's one of those things where mm. this circuit... It's too late. Exactly. As, as, as much as these new cars are better when it comes to overtaking, um, I just think literally just the altitude and the circuit itself just does not give you that much room to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so heavily dependent on DRS, right? Like we saw a couple of attempted passes outside DRS zones, main, namely when Danny Rake smashed Yuki into the wall and ripped up his side, which uh, Danny Rake had a race. I feel like he had the most interesting race of everybody. Um, but, uh, the tire stuff just ended up being a whole non-issue, right? I mean, there was the potential for a two-stop. Everyone pretty much did a one-stop. Um, and everyone's immediately like freaking out about, you know, oh, it's softer falling off and we need the, you know, this, that and everything. Uh, but it turned out that, you know, going to something like the hards, which is what Mercedes did and a couple of other teams, but notably Mercedes had the option of splitting George and Lewis and they did not, they kept them both from mediums to hards and the hards did not work. They were not the correct call. Whereas, you know, Red Bull were able to go with both Max and Checo, soft, medium, soft, medium, and they completely just easily made it to the end of the race, which, uh, obviously, you know, that after the case, be- it was mm-hmm. just so kind of disappointing because there was so much potential. Like Mercedes were properly, maybe not quite on the pace of Red Bull, but they were honestly they were closer to Red Bull's pace. I mean, qualifying, this week. exactly. They basically, were. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in race pace, they were. Uh, I would say they were on, still closer than last week. At the start of the race, Lewis was keeping up with Max big time. Yeah, and then it just ended up being a strategy thing, and it just didn't go their way. And that was kind of the end of the story of this race, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you mentioned Daniel Ricciardo a few times and Danny Rick, one driver of the day. Uh, <laughs> I feel, I he was, as you said, I agree, the most exciting driver of the day. He yeah. was doing a lot of really interesting overtakes. Um, probably spurred on by the fact that he had a 10-second penalty, which does give me pause because he that was a real bad move on yeah. poor Yuki there. Yeah. But I would I would be, you know... I would feel pretty confident giving him driver of the day too. Just, just you say he was, he did the most interesting stuff, most overtakes of the race, and he was having a, he was having a real, he was having a real afternoon. I agree. I, I think the move on Yuki was bad. Right, that was just a stupid move. Like he got way too mm-hmm. ambitious. Like there's, there's no way that that was not going to end in some kind of catastrophe. And unfortunately, yeah. Yuki was the one who came off sort of worse off on that, which uh, kind of sucked because Yuki was having an okay little race there, right? Like it was not anything super exciting, but he was doing all right. Um, but uh, that being said, I think Danny Rick. Uh, look, there's definitely a part of me which just wants to give him driver of the day because this might be the last time we ever get to do that. So uh, you know, there's that. But 
I think what it really showed was not only that it was great to see Danny Rick with some real fire, but being on the softs at the end of that last sort of stint in the race, man, everyone on softs were absolutely flying, but none more so than Danny Rick, who, I mean, he made, what, five or six overtakes uh, in the last you know 20 laps or something? Like, it was terrific to watch, whereas you see... I mean, again, hindsight 2020 as always, but you look at teams like Ferrari, right, who were absolutely nowhere, right? Like they were not anywhere near fast enough to challenge the Red Bull or the Mercedes up front, but also they were at least fast enough to stay you know, above everyone else. So they were just the most far away uh, fifth and sixth ever. I think they were like plus 20, plus 30 on either side or something. Like it was just, they had absolutely nothing to lose. Maybe they could have thrown in a gamble at the soft tires. And certainly uh, George, I'm thinking, is going to be very upset when he gets back to that pit wall. It's like, hey, I told you. Let me stay on the mediums. Let me go on the softs. Because, you know, in context, that was exactly what Danny Rick did. He went medium soft instead of the other way around, medium to hard. Mm -hmm. And it hugely paid off for him. I think it's not unreasonable whatsoever that if they would have let George get on that soft tire at the end, he would at least have made P3. And honestly, if he had anywhere close to the pace that Danny Rick did, he probably wouldn't have been at P2. Probably a little outside the actual possibility for a win. Uh, But there was a lot of pace in that soft tire. And there was nothing in the hard. And Mercedes sort of found that out the hard way. Uh, Lewis is now P5 in the standings with George at P4, Charles at P3, Sergio has gone up to P2 now. Yeah. So Red Bull have a 1-2, and I reckon they're going to finish a 1-2 as well in the, in the with the Drivers' Championship. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because, I mean, we've got two more races left, right? So mm-hmm. uh, obviously some things are fairly sorted, but just looking at these sort of numbers, right? So Checo's only got five points on Leclerc. Uh, Five-point swing mm-hmm. is not hard to overcome. Mind you, Mm-mm. the Red Bull is looking in another league compared to the Ferrari right yep. now. Mind you, yep. this race was especially rough. Like Something about the altitude of the engine, well, this was not Ferrari's race. Like They did not have the pace in qualifying. They did not have the pace in the race. It was just not their day. But I think they should be a lot more competitive in the next couple of races. But uh, if Checo continues to do even just a decent job, I think he's got a very good shot of that P2. Um, and I think going down the list a little bit, I think George and Lewis are probably in for a fair shot of, at least definitely George, of beating Carlos in those standings. Um, uh, it's it's spicy, man, but also it does kind of have that sort of end-of-season thing where the yeah. die has kind of been cast at this point. It's almost sort of like... You know, obviously the commentators, and of course we're guilty of this too, love to talk about the the results and we want to talk about the standings and the scores and the you know, all this kind of stuff. But in reality, what we're looking at here is everything's pretty much been set, sorted. There's still a few things left to kind of uh, fight for. But generally speaking, I think these last couple of races are going to come down to the drivers driving at 100% and really driving for themselves, right? It's not going to be a bunch of team decisions. It's not going to be this, it's that. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, you know what? You're not going to get anything. You could just take off the next couple weeks. It doesn't matter, right? Like, it's just about going out there and proving to everyone and yourself, really, that you are one of the fastest drivers in the world. And I am very excited to see, especially because, man, Brazil is such a cool track. I love, I love watching, uh, I love watching the race there. So I'm really excited to see next, or not next week, but two weeks from now, but for the next race, what we're actually able to sort of uncap because it could get spicy, man. It could get spicy. Who's your back marker of the race? Uh, okay. So here's the thing. Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to try to justify who the backmarker is. Don't justify. Uh, uh, Alonso, right? Man, okay. I feel like he was having a good race. Nothing spectacular, but very solid race. And another 
engine-related DNF, which also is probably going to mean he's going to be stuck with a penalty. I don't know how many more power units he's got left, but, I mean, he's gone through so many. I wouldn't be surprised if he has to take another penalty for one of the Mm -hmm. next two races. And Man, it sucks because he's had a terrific race. You know, he is the... Back to those uh, stats, you know, he is the you know most experienced Formula One uh, Grand Prix driver of all time now, right? He's got so many Grand Prix under his belt, and he's had a terrific season. And it's really unfortunate that he has just had so many problems, whether they're mechanical, whether they're caused by other people. Like, I feel like Fernando really has not done a lot wrong this year, and has absolutely no. just gotten wrecked in every possible way he could have been, thanks to luck, which sucks, because, I mean, he's, he's doing so great. And... There's also a small part of me which is a little concerned because I'm not feeling too too hot about Aston Martin next year. So it's like Fernando might be well, very likely is taking a step backward for his car next year right after he had this amazing season where he just got completely unlucky. So yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, yeah. But that's uh, that's going to be back marker for me. How about you? Uh, Sebastian Vettel. Yeah. Just okay. because he did 37 laps on a soft tire. I just think. That deserves to be applauded. That's yeah. just a why would you why would you even do that? Like it's just like what, congratulations, Seb. <laughs> like why did you do that? But he did it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I think it's one of those things where you know Seb also is you know winding down. You know he's only got two more races left. I think Seb has been doing a solid job, and it does seem like sort of since he's made the decision to retire that he's kind of. Uh, maybe the pressure's off a little bit. Maybe he's just kind of out he's there. Free. Exactly. Yep. He's racing for him, right? Just kind of how mm-hmm. I was saying earlier, oh, I'm excited for these last couple of races. He's out there racing for himself. He's enjoying the twilight races of his Formula One career. And uh, if, if it was me, I'd be out there just soaking up every second of it because uh, it's going to be real boring when you go home and you're driving on the motorway and you're like, hmm. I remember the days I used to go really fast. Back in my day, I was the world champion. I don't think Seb sounds like that, right, but well, I, I'd sound like that. He could, in your mind, underperform of the race? Ferrari, Ferrari. Right? Like, what was it? What was going on? Like, as you said, I'm sure there was a reason, but that reason led to just an absolutely forgettable race for them. Like, uh, just it, terrible. It was, I think, the farthest they've been off the pace all year. And again, it does seem like there was something specifically wrong with either their car's concept or their engine at the altitude, at the race. It just... They had no pace. There yep. was nothing going on. Just the same way that this track really suited the Mercedes and brought what has been a far slower car all year long, kind of up in sort of contention with Red Bull, although I guess in the race, no one could touch Max. But um, they, they were up there. They but- ended up a best part of, a, like, science was basically a minute behind Verstappen at the end. Yeah, and there's not even like, like George was 49 seconds, but he took that late pit stop right for the, yes. for the to try and get fastest lap, which he did not get. Oh, um, I didn't see. He didn't tried. get it. He didn't get Dude, it. That always makes me nervous when you go in, and I know, like you know, it's worth it for the extra point. But it always makes me nervous. You see it, you know, someone come in mm-hmm. in the last lap, change a tire. I just always have flashbacks to Valtteri. Valtteri, it's yeah. It's just, I don't know, man. I, I I appreciate the jeopardy it adds, but every time some crafty team decides to come in and try to make a run for the fastest lap, I'm just like, you sure about that? Sure. You want to go throw away 15 points because you might get an extra one? All right. Whatever. Uh, But hey, you know what? That's what pit crews get paid the big bucks for, right? To Mm -hmm. remember how to use the wheel gun and not shear the bolt off and have to go home. Sad. My favorite thing from this race was every time Sergio did anything (laughs) in the crowd. The crowd just goes wild. It was great. Every time he did anything. 
It was just it was just driving by sometimes, but yeah. any pass anything. It's so good. I love how one sided they are there for him. It's just so good. I mean, obviously there's support up and down the field, but I think everybody also just wants Sergio to do well. You know, of course. So it was super good. Yeah, super yeah, yeah. Good. No, it was. Uh, there's a bunch of shots. You know, Sergio's dad. Uh, you gotta love him. Uh, there's this great shot. I don't know, like 15, 20 minutes. I don't know if I do. You know, like he, really? there's something about. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it just seems so know. like genuine. He's like, that's my boy out there. But there's this great shot yeah. where like Checo's there with his engineer, and his dad's like on the other side of the fence, like looking down, trying to like pay attention and like listen to like what's going on, as if he can like help him out. I thought that was such a good moment where dad's like literally behind the fence, like, <laughs> you got this, son. You got this. Drive real fast, boy. You got this. I was just it, it warmed okay, my heart. It warmed my heart. Uh, I got to say, while I generally agree with you that it was nice to see everyone super excited about Checo and seeing everyone boo Lewis wasn't great, but uh, for me, it was Danny Rick doing something. Yeah, what is that about? Uh, about? Yeah, I think they don't like Lewis too much. I don't know. Maybe it's a Red Bull thing. I honestly don't know. Hmm. Um, probably because Lewis uh, kept Checo from getting P2. I, I honestly don't know, but I, I feel yeah, like there's been... I mean, if that's the reason, then, like, whatever. Like, I mean, look... Uh, Certain fans are more passionate than others, and I think that yeah. that can come out in both positive and negative kind of ways. Yeah. But uh, for me, it was Danny Rick. Uh, Danny Rick, while a boneheaded, silly move, which, look, you could say that maybe the 10-second time penalty was a little unfair. I think that's about right, honestly. But here's the thing. Yeah. Everyone, anyone can make mistakes, right? It wasn't like Danny Rick was doing it intentionally. You know, he really went for it a little too hard, but whatever. Uh, and he got a very serious penalty for it. And yet he made up for it and then some. And that was really exciting to see him absolutely just slicing and dicing. Uh, I mean, again, that was largely because he had the far superior tires at the time, right? So while it looked terrific and, you know, it wasn't just like a walk in the park, but it was certainly at, uh, aided by the fact that he had a huge, huge sort of time advantage with those tires. But that being said, just the same way that we're seeing, you know, some drivers maybe either not coming back on the future or going to the lower teams, whatever the case is, I think we got to mm-hmm. soak up every Danny Rick sort of super late breaking move or, you know, overtake whatever we can for as long as we can because those days might be numbered my friend well they most certainly are at this point before we go putting 22 karat gold on a race helmet is ridiculous wait what who did this max max has a new helmet to celebrate his two-time victory no he does not and it's it's gold and it's with 22 karat (sighs) i (laughs) i don't i don't i didn't know this i don't i don't like that look I saw the gold helmet and already thought that it was a bit much, and then I saw That's people real. like ESPN tweeted about it that it's twenty-two oh, characters. And Max, look, he's obviously the world champion. He's probably it's the like f- gold leaf, right? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, yes, I'm sure it's not. A- <laughs> he's not playing. <laughs> he's so fast. He's got like a seventeen-pound helmet on. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, look. Uh, and hmm. he's a uh, he's the world's fastest. Oh, Tony, Tony's just com- just confirmed in the chat. There must have been something wrong with the stats that I was looking at, but apparently George did get the fastest lap. Oh, okay, good for him. Or at least it wasn't for Sorry, nothing. I don't, it, when I was looking on uh, motorsport.com, who I use for this information, they maybe didn't have that updated, but mm. George did get the fastest lap. Okay, well, congrats to George and congrats to Mercedes for making a good decision today. Um, but yeah, uh, like I'm not going to comment on Max's potentially gaudy helmet, uh, but look, he took number one. He is, I think, uh, you could pretty convincingly argue the fastest driver in the world right now. 
I mean, I think he's done a phenomenal job. And the fact that he has now broken the record for the most amount of wins, the most amount of points scored, and there are still two races left, which i it's hard to argue he would not be the heavy favorite to win both of those as well. Uh, I think 2022 is going to be very much looked back on as an absolute Year just, uh, yeah, yep. just unbelievably successful thing. Yep. Um, yep. That being said, if we can just look forward just a little bit into the future. What we've seen throughout this year is sort of Ferrari obviously started really strong, have just kind of slowed down the whole time. But Mercedes are kind of constantly sort of stepping their their game up. I would be very happy to see some more Max and Lewis one twos next year. I don't care which one finishes where. Yeah. I'm feeling good about it. I I genuinely like looking at where Mercedes are at this point in the season makes me feel very makes me feel much more confident for them next year than I did maybe even just a few weeks ago. Um, I, I think the ability that they have had to take their car and consistently improve it and the drivers consistently working to make it better, like they really have done something I don't think anybody else on the grid has done this year, which is like the, the level of improvement from the beginning of the season to now is huge. Where like they were lucky if they were midfield and now that like we are going into weekends like this one thinking they might win this one. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, right. mind you, if uh, Max wants to add a little extra gold to his helmet to slow him down, I don't think anyone would complain and make it a little bit more fair because that's about the only thing that's going to slow him down at this point. But, yeah. Mike, we've got two races left. So two we've races got left. The Brazilian Grand Prix, November 13th. So we've got one week mm -hmm. off, and then we're there. And then right afterward, November 20th, the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, which... Yes, uh, Marina. Yes, it is. And uh, I saw something, uh, I think it was actually last week they talked about. Uh, they're actually going to be making some tweaks, I believe, to Yas Marina for not this year's race, but for next year's race to help facilitating mm. overtaking and whatnot, which is always mm. nice to see, especially for these kind of... I know it's not a street circuit, but to me, it always kind of feels like... Uh, it's kind of flat it's a little bit boring uh it's always nice to see some sort of modifications and some upgrades to the circuits but we're mm -hmm. almost there man we've got well you know look as we've seen in the past there are ways to make that race more exciting you know what i mean they yeah. found ways last year you know, maybe we could, this, this year we could think about some ideas right so uh i think uh safety cars are, are good i think maybe letting a few random cars in the middle uh get out of the way is probably a nice idea <laughs> extra cars no we're gonna put 25 cars on the track yes yes i think uh yeah. we're gonna let uh about a dozen spectators pull their cars out on the track too at lap, <laughs> lap 35 um and also uh we should probably decide like a championship I, you know what there's yeah. just lots of ideas fia if you're listening uh your boys hey max you feel confident now right who knows what might happen? <laughs> you know what i mean 160 point penalty for max Verstappen. <laughs> oh man well uh if the last couple of races aren't spicy at least we'll we'll, we'll provide the spice my friends we'll provide yeah the we'll spice. do it for you we'll do it for you <laughs> uh yes yeah, so as i mentioned we'll be back in a couple of weeks now for the penultimate race of the season for what has been a excellent just excellent season uh better than i necessarily would have thought it would have been like because of last year's season just being so unbelievable yeah, yeah. um this season is also been really exciting in a bunch of ways in different ways right like it has not been exciting after the first quarter of the season in title battle but it's been exciting for many other reasons plus the racing itself has just been much more fun to watch this year um maybe this week uh not not, not yeah well one. look there's a lot of races in a year we can forget a couple of them right it's fine yeah, the other ones make up it's totally yeah. okay you can't all be bangers exactly otherwise 
they wouldn't be bangers anymore, would they? Exactly. You know, it would just be a regular be race. Mm-hmm. If you want to catch up with us in the meantime, we're at Backmarkers Live on Twitter. Go to Backmarkers Live for the video version of the show and backmarkers.fm for the audio version. And we'll be back for the next race. Until then, say goodbye, Austin Evans. Adios, amigos. And welcome to the Formula One end of year recap races. I'm going to get a good outro eventually in my life. One no. day I will do it. I should just add no, Adios no. Amigo and we'll be with an album. You should have, but you didn't. I didn't stick the landing. Yeah.